0: Uh, so I, I praise God and thank God for uh, the opportunity and the privilege it is to to minister, right? to to preach, to serve. Uh, thankful to have um, faithful servants uh, around us uh, to help in that uh, endeavor, which is great. Um, uh, we have, uh, of course, um, uh, Pastor Thomas here who's with us. Has been a source of such you know, guidance, inspiration, and leadership. It's great for, uh, grateful for that. Uh, and of course, we've got Pastor Sean here with us as well. And i um, thankful for him and uh, his service and him uh, taking on the mantle of preaching God's Word last week to us. And so i grateful for that as we uh, talked about what it means to ask, seek, and knock unto God in terms of prayer and what the golden rule is and how that applies uh, to us. So so grateful for Him, grateful for that, grateful that we had uh, that opportunity last week. But we come out this week, to chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, and we are now, in terms of the Sermon on the Mount, at the beginning of the end.
1: Jesus is coming now to land the plane,
0: if you will. Really, like any uh, good preacher who's worth his salt, uh, he's, he's bringing it home. And in doing that, he is making it personal. He's bringing home his message. And we read it already, but I, I, I want you to read it once more, just so that you can hear it and understand the clarity with which Jesus is speaking here. There is a simplicity, a, a clarity, an unambiguity that he speaks with, he, with here in this one area. I'm not reading it for you. I want you to hear Jesus' words. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Uh, If you grow up in the church, uh, you might be familiar with the way the King James Version uh, talks about uh, what is said here as the narrow gate, and calls it what if you're familiar with the King James, the straight gate. The straight is the gate. Not the street that you're probably thinking of—not S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T street, but S-T-R-A-I-T straight, and that is a old word. That is an archaic word, but it has a very specific meaning. That word, S-T-R-A-I-T straight, and that is um, confined. It means. Narrow pinch. Uh, and unfortunately, in our modern language, you don't see that usage of the word in the English too much. You do see it here and there, though, right? Any geography buffs in the house tonight? I don't know. Or this morning, I should say. Um, straight. What's a street when it comes to geography? Well, you've got two big land masses, and they come and they narrow and they connect, and there's Small little land bridge that connects these two big, bigger land masses. That is called a straight. And that's a noun, but in this case, this, this word straight is an adjective, right? stride. The, the gate is straight. Do we see it used as an adjective word? Well, probably the only place in the current modern language where we see it is a what kind of jacket? A straight. Jacket. A straight jacket is of course what? Confining. really not pulling any punches here as he comes to the close of his sermon. He's bringing it home. He's making it personal. And here at the end, it, it, it's, getting, it's getting very, very tough. He gets very, very tough. And what he's saying is really this whole ending as, we, as we're going to go through the end of chapter 7 is my teaching. My teaching is not just to be praised, but it is to be what? Practiced. Jesus is coming to the end of his sermon, and does he want applause? Is he looking for applause from us? No. What does he want? the Word of God, God's Word, has to be set loose, unleashed in our lives so that it can transform us. We need to understand that. When we come to, to hear a sermon, that we come merely to read the Bible Do we come and look at Christ's teachings, expecting just a little bit of inspiration or just a little bit of guidance? See, Jesus has never told anyone anything just so they could know it. Jesus' words are never an FYI. He's not like FYI, so on and so forth. No. Jesus will give you nothing just to be known. Jesus will only ever give us truth so that it will come into our lives and transform it and transform us. That's by the way he's talking. That's that's why he's talking this way right now. He's bringing it home. And really, what he's really talking about here is the narrowness of the gospel. The narrowness of the gospel. Now, being frank, when you start talking about the narrowness of the gospel, it's kind of, it can be hard to talk about that, to urge urge people to be narrow. And yet Jesus has specifically chosen this word. This word that when you think about it, if you think about being described, yourself being described as narrow, that's a word that we would typically, I think, despise usually. And the last thing you want to be called is narrow. Call me anything. Don't call me narrow. Call me ugly. Call, call, call me mean. You know? Don't call me narrow. Don't call me that. Someone says, hey, I'm so, so arrow. So you say, no, I don't say that. Don't call me that. Now, I think if you think about it for a moment, to, to a degree, uh, it, there, that it can be healthy, right? Because, you know, God forbid we, we, we like the Pharisees. Jesus has already kind of talked about them at length. And the narrowness of the Pharisees. What have they done? They've reduced the gospel to what? Just a set of rules, regulations, a checklist. No, God forbid we ever take the gospel and and make it in all its glory, and make it out to be something as just confined as a, a set of rules and regulations. So not narrow like that, but Jesus must be in some, there must be some way in which Jesus here is saying that we've got to be narrow or else he wouldn't have said it. He wouldn't have used this word. He says, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must take the narrow way. That in some sense, Christianity, is the narrow way. It's narrow, but in an essential kind of way. It's narrow in a critical way. It's narrow in that it demands something. It demands focus. It demands authenticity. It demands intensity. It demands full commitment. It demands discipline. And then you think you look into your life and you think about anybody, if you've accomplished anything in your life, you know that the narrow gate is the way to fullness. What what I mean? If if you are are striving to be a doctor or a physician, You want to be a good doctor. What does that mean? That means for an awful lot of years, you're going to be doing what? You're going to be studying. You're going to be going through that entire process. And basically, your entire focus is is nothing but preparing to be a doctor. And in that sense, you are what? Absolutely what you are focused, intensely, fully committed, even if you don't want to be. Right? Think about it. If you want to be a world-class musician, a virtuoso of sorts, right? What do you have to do? Eight to ten hours a day of practice for a long, long, long time. See, that's the narrowness. But it's the only way to the fullness of the freedom of being able to perform if you're a musician, right? The freedom of great performance can only come from the narrowness of the practice. If in, in the business realm, right? if you're looking to, you know, to make money, right, or an investment, Things like that. What do you have to do? You have to in- intensely look at investment opportunities. You gotta look. You have to discern. You gotta say, you know, this is an authentic opportunity here. This, this, this over here. Get rid of this. This is phony. This is bogus. Now, you have? Know, a world-class corporation, right? They, what, what's their focus? Quality. Quality. It's not quality. You go after the narrowness, and eventually the fullness comes. And that's the way it's always been. And that's the way it's always been in all these things. And Jesus says, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to spiritual things, you've got to be the same.
1: See, I think most of us
0: are quite willing to accept that in all those other arenas, right, you understand, uh, you know, think about the narrowness of of physical conditioning for like an elite elite athlete, right? They're never going to be able to perform at, at the freedom of a championship level if they can't, if they don't have the narrowness of the physical conditioning. Unless you have the narrowness of of practice, that musical practice, you're never going to have the fullness of of that performance. I think that all makes sense to us, right? I think we all understand that. But when it comes to the spiritual thing, what do we do? We back away from that. Jesus is saying, don't back away from that. You find narrowness leading to fullness in all these other areas. The same. I built the universe like that. And in the area of utmost importance, our relationship with God, our souls, is the same. It's the same. And so, what does Jesus tell us here? He says that there's two
1: roads,
0: essentially. Two roads only two roads when it comes to spiritual matters. And then he describes those two roads, and he tells us how to be on on the right one. And that's basically where we're gonna go this morning. And I want you to see the clarity with with which Jesus is speaking, right? It's, It's clear and blunt, and it's as unmistakable as it can be. Look at Jesus' words. There's nothing gray about this. You cannot infuse any gray into this. It is black and white. There's no fine lines. These are strong, clear lines. Two roads. Here's what they are. And here's how we going the write. That's what Jesus is talking about here. So let's start with that first idea. Number one, there are two roads. What does that mean? Two roads. Jesus is teaching that there is no neutrality in spiritual things. No one's on the fence. No one's stagnant. No one's staying still. He says there's two roads. There are two roads and only two roads, and they go where? To two distinctly different destinations. So that means that that if you're on the right road, you're going toward life. And if you're on the wrong road, every second that you are on that wrong road, you are going further away from life. job. Yeah. right, you go back to the 19th century, what started bubbling up was this idea, this, this, this conception that what? All religions basically the same. The idea was that the essence of any religion was that what had in common with all the other religions. And there was an assumption that it's all the same. It's all the same.
1: So there's an illustration maybe
0: about a, a hundred years ago that was put forth to kind of describe this idea, this sort of modern way of thinking when it comes to spiritual matters or religion. And the illustration is that of a mountain, right? You might have probably heard of this before, maybe. Right? You have a mountain, and at the top of the mountain is God. And every religion is a different road up to where? The top of the mountain. And everyone has to find their own road to the top of the mountain. So the idea there, the picture there is what? Many roads and one destination. So this sort of thinking, this sort of modern thinking, it starts maybe some 200 years ago, and now it has come down and seeped down into the cultural thinking and the culture today so that the average common person on the street has a very extremely strong version of that thinking in their mind. And you've probably heard variations on this one way or the other, it goes something like this. What you need to tell me that you believe that the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ and no other. Now, me, me and my own personality, I'm a contrarian. Right? I'm a devil's advocate. I want to see all the different sides and all the different angles. So at my base level, I hear something like this and I go, I don't know. What, you cannot get around what Jesus is saying here. So you will get this, this idea that wait, we believe the only way through Christ and the Father. So does that mean that you believe that sincere people all over the world who don't believe like you believe are eternally lost? Be equally tolerated, but that what all of them are correct, right? Not just that we the the toleration right of all of the views, but that what all the views are correct. But tell me, you saw Jesus' words, not my words, Jesus' words. In the simplest terms. What is he saying? Two roads. Only two roads. Two different destinations. And that's completely opposed to this modern thinking which says what? Many roads, one destination. Many roads, one. Jesus says two roads, two destinations. He's as straight as he can be. Looking to God's word. John chapter 14. What is Jesus saying? I am what? The way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. In Acts chapter 5, what are we told? There's no other name under heaven through which man can be saved. So what do you do? What do we do about this collision? What do we do about this tension? What do you do about this charge that, ah, that sort of thinking that you got there is that's pretty narrow, even more than narrow. It sounds, it sounds big at all. What do you say? Well, first, right, there really is no such thing as saying to everybody, yeah. everybody's right. Because to the people that say, hey, no. I don't believe that everybody's right. What do they have to say to those people? You're wrong. Right? There's an internal sort of lack of consistency in in this view. You wind up doing the very thing that you're forbidding. It's, it's It's internally inconsistent.
1: Jesus, he he says clearly, there's two
0: and only two ways. The second thing he does is he says, he describes what these ways are like so that we might have an idea of which one we are. on. The one is... Areas. You're not on different places on the mountain. Two ro- roads. The broad road. What does Jesus tell us about the broad road? What does Jesus tell us about the broad road? First, the broad road is wide. And, and, and that means, he actually says that what? Most people are on it. a startling thing to say. Jesus says it and needs to say it to startle us. I think in general, many take comfort in being in the majority. Right? There's this feeling that, okay, well, if I can be with what most people are doing, if I can go on the flow of what the majority is doing, that there's a, that there's a safety there, there's a security there. It's an easy road. Now, why would we call this broad road easy? And here's why. The broad road is the road that you are born on. The broad road is the road, but unless you make a, a decisive action and change the direction that you were set on and born on, you're on the broad road. You've never, uh, you know, made that decisive sort of turn around. You're on the wrong road. You're born on it. This the easy road. It's the downhill road. You think about this way, right? If you're born in a particular country. It's going to take decisive action on your part to be able to do it. See, but the broad road is the easy road. We're all born into believing that what? We can run our own lives. That we are competent to, to run the show for ourselves. My life, I got I, 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 out of control. unless you have worked by some sort of decisive act to change, to deny yourself, to change the na- your natural inclination to keep control of your life. If you've never fought with all of your might to try to break your own grip on your own life, it takes that, it takes this This decisive act, it takes repentance, it takes going to God, it takes that grace-fueled effort that you are on. If you're not doing that, you are on the easy path. You are on the broad road. How do you know you're on the broad road? Well, there's a there's a broad road of thinking. X, Y, and Z. This is how you reach out for God. You go to this other group and they'll say, ah, no, no, this this is the path. This is how you reach to God. You go to the other group and they say, no, this is how you reach for God. And Jesus comes along and you know what he says? Stop reaching. is too desperate for that. You need to have somebody come in and pay the price for you, to do the work for you. And here's how God reaches you. And everything else is this Broadway thing. Say you've been trying to be your own Savior. You've been trying to keep control of your own life. What does Jesus say? About the narrow way. Well it's narrow? So narrow. See, when Jesus says his way is the narrow way, what does he mean? He means there's only room to get on Slip, slip in there with your family. You can't ride on the, on the coattails of, 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 of the people in your church. What does it mean? You have to deal with Jesus personally. narrow wrote means that Jesus and, and his way is it's, it's utterly personal. Always going to make it personal. Think about Nicodemus. Fascinating story in the Gospel of John. Nicodemus sits down with Jesus. What does he want to do? He just just wants to have this nice theological discussion with Jesus. And and what does Jesus say? You must be blind. Think about the, the woman at the well. She comes and she sits down with Jesus. And what does she try to do? She tries to have this discussion, right? She says, well, you know, I'm a Samaritan and you are a Jew. And we have a lot of disputes about whether this is a place where the Samaritans can worship or Jews can worship. Or maybe we can both worship here and there. What is Jesus? Chit-chat, for lack of a better word, right? And, and really, he won't have any like, chit-chat with any of us here. What does Jesus say? He says, woman, right? You, you, you want to have this polite conversation about theology. Let's talk about the five husbands you've had and the man you're living with right now. But you see, you want to talk about theology and you, you, you can't even manage your own life. You have to get personal. You've got to get specific. How are you relating to God? At times, I think we get distracted, right? We talk about general, not about general beliefs and general church issues and, and general cultural behavior and general moral behavior. These are all things that we can be thoughtful about, but those are all general things. The Gospel says, how are you dealing with Jesus? Do you know Him personally? Let me put it this way. Have you come to grips with what is between you and Jesus? Who's ever come to Jesus has had to come to grips with that? With what? That there was something between you. Do you know what it is? If you don't know what it is, you have not come to it. Have to deal personally, not generally. It's not good enough to be religious or moral in general or to come and let me get a little inspiration out of some words over here. Do you know him personally? That's what it means. Don't forget. recognize that the reason there's only one road to life is why? Because Jesus died for us. You cannot come to God unless you say, I accept that Jesus Christ had to die my death for me. I recognize that the best things that I can accomplish and have ever done are nothing when it comes to getting me acceptance with God, when it comes to a place for me in his kingdom, all my best efforts are nothing. Until you're willing to say that, until you're willing to get rid of your own righteousness, there's no room. It's too big. And I, mean, I know you're hearing all of this, I love this narrow road, and you're like, this sounds awful. looks, but it appears that way. See, but here's the thing. There's a basic principle that is underlying what Jesus is telling us. Jesus is saying that the way of obedience always starts off narrow, but leads to life. And the way of disobedience always starts off broad and easy. but leads to what? Destruction. What do we see? The, broad, the What do we see about the broad way initially? The broad path. It starts looking, but really roomy, first class. feet up, all kinds of room. The broad way it starts out looking great. But eventually, the broad way leads to what? It leads to a prison. A prison of unfulfilled acceptance, unfulfilled love, a prison of uncontrollable habits. A prison of unresolved fears it's a prison see eventually the broad road leads to what a small Maybe you're thinking, you know, I went through the narrow gate, and you're on the road, and here this morning you might be saying, this is pretty narrow. <laughs> this is, this is pretty narrow. Maybe I should, you know, bolt over to that road. And you look at it and say, yeah, this road is hard. This is a hard road. It, it says as much. You might be having tough times. Which is exactly what Jesus is saying here. When you go through that gate, it doesn't immediately open up into life. And so you might be saying at some point, is, you know, if I could, if I'm just disobeyed over here. I, mean, I feel a little hurt right now. You just, if I could just get, get out from under the will of this king, I can really you know, get moving. You might want to get bold and get over onto that broad way. But let me tell you this morning no, 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 no. Stay on the straight way, stay on the narrow way. It is the only way that leads to. How do you know which, how you know which, which road you're on? To be on the narrow way takes that that, that, that decision. First to forsake all of your righteousness, forsake anything that displeases the king, to give yourself to him, to make him the king. into poverty, born into a dirty nature, become originally what? A single cell confined in the the womb of a human woman. A little baby confined in that womb.
1: Think of Jesus. He
0: knows when he was in the garden of Gethsemane. He knows the soldiers are on their way. What does he know about the way That there is going to be thorns in his head, that there was going to be a spear in his side, that there was going to be slow suffocation unto death. And he knew all of that paled in comparison to what? Being rejected by a father. Resurrection, life for him and for you. And, and there is, you one there is no other way for you and for me unless you take the narrow way. There is no other way for you and me unless you take the narrow way. What is the narrow way? the focused way, the authentic way, the committed way, the now way. And to close this morning, I'm reminded of Joshua's words to the people of Israel. Seas beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land.